In today's Halloween episode of Trouble with the Snap, Will and I will be recapping very action-packed and exciting week nine before recapping our locks of the week and drafting our favorite Halloween candies. Roll the intro. Nick Saban, and in 2003, the Tigers captured the BCS. Michigan State Stalin wants Dixon and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable! Hello everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Trouble with the Snap. On Halloween, I am Colton Deutsch, joined as always by my spooky partner in crime down there in College Station. Will Shemansky, Will, how's it going? Are you staying ways to find to stay warm? Yeah, uh, I'm doing well, as you were saying, just asking if I was finding ways to stay warm. Um, yeah, it was. it's absolutely freezing out here right now, similar to how it is in Austin. Um, you know, low 40s all day and nothing but rain off and on. And it's just, it's just not fun walking across campus today. But other than that, I'm doing well. How are you, Colton? Pretty good. It was, it was pretty weird today because – Obviously, during the weekend, it wasn't it wasn't very cold, and I actually was concerned about some of my costumes. I thought they would be a little bit too hot, but then you wake up this morning and had to throw on a hoodie and a big jacket and pants to go to class. So we're working through it. I didn't really leave my apartment once I got back from class, aside from the gym, so pretty much was able to stay inside for most of the day. Yeah, it was definitely a weird feeling putting on like a hoodie and a thick jacket over my sunburn from Saturday's 11 a.m. game here in College Station. Um, so that's literally from Saturday to today, it's at least a 40 degree temperature swing, which is absolutely ridiculous. And then by the time we get to this upcoming week, uh, this upcoming weekend, it'll be back to like 82 again. I think that's what the high is on Saturday here. So, uh, man, just hell of a week of weather, I guess. Yeah, I don't really know that I'm ready to get back to the warm weather yet. This is this is a bit too cold, but if we could find a healthy medium, I'd be definitely would be okay with that one. Well, I'm definitely enjoying it. I'm I uh I certainly am more of a cold weather person over a warm weather person, probably because, you know, we live in the devil's armpit for about ten and a half months out of the year. And so whenever we have that that little break, um I don't even want to call it winter, like you know, quote unquote, because our winter here is like a summer for like East coasters and people like that. But anyways, uh, whenever we actually do get like the first few cold fronts of the year, it truly is uh, one of my favorite times of the entire year. Yeah. It's funny. My, my roommates had a friend from high school visit. He goes to Purdue and he was talking to us about Indiana winters. And I was how, I think he said one time they had 18 inches of snow and he still had to go to class. And for me, I remember, one, the, the annual snow day that Austin has had when there's a tiny bit of ice on the ground and they cancel everything. We had a whole week of school off, basically. And I remember last year, I think I walked to class and it was 40 degrees. And immediately I was like, I have to email the president of UT and get class canceled. This is just terrible. So 
yeah, definitely have to definitely have to bundle up. But how was your Halloween? Did you have any any good costumes? Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, it does kind of suck that Halloween is on a Tuesday this year. Um, so you can't necessarily go too crazy on actual Halloween, although that's certainly not going to stop a lot of people around the country. But anyways, um, this past weekend, it was a lot of fun. You know, as as we'll talk about in a moment, a finally got back on the right track again, put one put notch to one in the win column. Um, so that's always a good weekend. And, you know, my family was in town for the game and um, I really just went out to uh, went out to Northgate here with my sister for about two to three hours. Just had a few beers, caught up with her because I haven't talked to her in a little while. Um, oh, no, it was just a, it was just a great Saturday. And, you know, I had a, just had a great overall weekend. What about you? Yeah, it was pretty solid. Had a had a formal on Thursday. I think we talked about it. I was Harry Potter. My day was a very Harry fairy, mm-hmm. and then decided Friday night to be a Jedi, which you is did, good. You did roll with the Jedi costume. I rolled with the Jedi. It was pretty nice. It was a hit. I didn't have a lightsaber though, so I had to explain the costume a little bit more than I would have liked. And then Saturday night went with a classic giraffe. You you were a Jedi and didn't have a lightsaber. Well, no, but the problem is, is I don't want to take a prop out because I'm just going to lose it inevitably. I mean, that would be like you dressing up as Michael Myers from the Halloween movies without wearing a mask. Well, but you can wear the mask. I, I guess. But... So the thing is, what if I have a drink in one hand and then the lightsaber in the other hand? I don't know. You could have just walked around with like your flashlight and said you had a rare white lightsaber or something. I never considered that. I, I like that idea, actually. Okay. Well, I got you for next and, year. Yeah. The giraffe was a bit of a hit. I think people like that one. Was it? And then I actually saw someone in the bar wearing the same giraffe onesie. So we got up. It was great. <laughs> great to see. Man, that's good. Well, glad you had a good weekend. Um, aside from our, the social aspect of our lives, we certainly had a great weekend of football as well. Texas got the win. AM got the win. And aside from both of our teams winning, we had quite a few games that were pretty electric, if you ask me. Um, so without further ado, Colton, do you want to jump into arguably the most electric game? of the entire week nine slate yeah so kansas without jalen daniels jason being there as the starter as he's been since the texas game with daniels injury they take down oklahoma in a pretty signature win for lance lightpool 38 to 33 this was an awesome game you, you had the rain delay kind of slowed things up there for a while but i mean jason bean he made a couple mistakes, and to his credit, he found a way to bounce back. Kansas defense made some huge plays, particularly the, the fumble that they forced that led to Kansas taking the lead on a Jason Bean. Touchdown run, who, by the way, is so, so fast. And yeah, even when Bean threw a pick pretty late in the game with only a few minutes left, the Jayhawks were able to get a stop and get the ball back there. And Bean hung in there on a fourth down, and I believe six. I mean, great throw to get down to about the OU 10. Jayhawks punch it in and they're able to hold on at the end there, hold off Dylan Gabriel in this OU offense. And yeah, I mean, OU was able to run the ball better than they have been for most of the year, but it didn't matter as Kansas found a way to make big plays when it mattered. And Jason Bean was a big time player. And credit to the Jayhawks. I mean, they're a pretty real team. They're bowl eligible again. I think it speaks a lot to Lance Leipold and the work that he's done that obviously the, uh, this is an upset and neither of us picked it, but I don't think anyone is too shocked by this result from the Jayhawks. No, you know, Kansas has been in um, some pretty close games throughout the entirety of the year up to this point. Um, 
And as you and I have kind of discussed off air a little bit, I'm not sure we touched on it too much while we were recording. Um, but you and I kind of both thought that Oklahoma, um, was, I didn't necessarily want to say paper tiger, like to like exactly, but they certainly, um, it felt like they were overachieving up to this point, maybe a little bit in the season. Um, and you and I definitely figured that they would have a loss. Uh, certainly there was no way they were going 12 and 0. Um, and it's pretty crazy that up to this point that I, I certainly did not think that Kansas would be the one to get it done. However, they were. And, um, yeah, that's just, that's just college football. And, you know, as you were saying, I, I really am, um, or excuse me, as you were saying, this certainly is um, a signature win for the Jayhawks. Uh, certainly probably the biggest pro like biggest win for the program since what the 2007 season. Um, but anyways, it's been a long time coming for the Jayhawks and it's finally nice to see their football team getting some recognition um, instead of nothing, but just their basketball team. So rock chalk, baby. One thing crazy about Kansas, it, I really didn't notice until about last year's game against TCU. Kansas, the last two years, has not only had good quarterback play, but they've had legit, legit skill players. Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw are really, really good backs. And Mason Fairchild had the winning touchdown against Texas a few years ago. And ever since that game, he's really seemed to make plays in all their big games. And Lawrence Arnold and Quinn Skinner are also very solid receivers. So it's actually pretty impressive to see a team like Kansas that they can actually match up with some really talented and big name programs at the skill positions. So this is kind of a random question, still sticking with Kansas for a moment. Um, so I remember Kansas, you know, they it kind of felt like they were maybe turning a bit of a corner probably about three seasons ago. I mean, not, not much at all, but I mean, considering where their program had been ever since 2007, just completely down in the dumps, you know, they actually put a few more, a few more wins, um, they they won a few more games um, a couple of years ago than what they probably expected. So Colton, my question is, um, you and I, as as many people probably can figure, were huge fans of NCAA 14, the video game. And every now and then, um, I used to get the random draw of Kansas. And there was this one skill player who was just really electric in that game. He was pretty dang good in real life too. Do you happen to remember? Hugo Williams. Yes, thank you. I couldn't think of his name. Hugo um, Williams. Yeah, I I, um, I couldn't think of his name at all, but I damn sure certainly remember all those those uh, questionable calls and you know just just great memories, I guess, of you and me playing the game and he always being in the forefront of those crazy ass plays. Wow, I haven't thought of that name in so long. I'm actually kind of surprised you're able to pull that one out. That was impressive. That guy was a stud. I think, I think uh, he got in some legal trouble. Yeah, I was about to say, I think he got in legal trouble when he was still at Kansas. But either way, um, with the updated roster, whatever it was a couple of years ago, he was a stud on Kansas. Yeah, he was awesome. So, yeah, credit to Lance Lightboard and the Jayhawks. They stay in the Big 12 hunt, and they get their signature win. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's just jump directly to the game that I was at this past Saturday. Um, that was South Carolina here in College Station taking on A&M. Um, pretty, pretty good game. Pretty solid game overall from the Aggies. I'll start with them first, of course. Um, you know, the first half or the first quarter for AM, I will say, um, defense was okay. I'll just say this. Uh, the AM defense was absolutely phenomenal throughout the entirety of the day for the most part. Um, with, uh, the very few exceptions of maybe like one or two big plays. And of course, um, that touchdown in the first quarter, but anyways, um, other than that, the defense seemed incredibly good. Um, 
especially junior linebacker Edger and Cooper. I mean, in my opinion, I would give that man the Butkus Award right now. Um, you know, I, he, he's already going to be, if he keeps playing like this, um, I would say a first-team All-American in the country at the middle linebacker position. He is playing that well. Um, but anyways, the defense looked really great, but on the other the other end of the spectrum, the offense, at least in the first quarter, looked horrendous. It looked like they took a step back from the Tennessee game, which is pretty hard to do, quite honestly. Um, so the first quarter, especially coming off a of bye week too, you know, um, I got to the game and I was pretty excited to see, you know, if they worked on anything new or just, just kind of just wanting to be surprised a little bit. And that I was certainly surprised by the offense, but not in any good reason that first quarter. Um, just not good. However, I will say in the second quarter, um, you know, they put some they put some points on the board and they kind of got in a groove a little bit right before halftime. So I also want to give a little quick shout out to a uh, five-star freshman running back, Ruben Owens. Um, I believe he notched his second touchdown of the season uh, this past Saturday, but he had a probably about a 12-yard run out. Excuse me. He had he had about a twelve yard run and just took it right to the house. Uh, so that's really fun to see, and I'm really hoping and expecting a lot more of those uh, touchdowns for him going forward. Um, all in all, for AM, I thought it was a pretty dang good game, um, especially the defense, offense. You know, it's they're playing up to expectations, I guess, to this point in the season with Connor Wigman being out. So it's a bit of a bummer, but at the end of the day. Um, it was still certainly good enough to get it, get the job done against South Carolina. As for the Gamecocks, um, you know, Colton and I have been talking about their offensive line all year, and that's certainly um, their weakness was certainly on display uh, this past Saturday. I, I think AM's defense finished with around like six sacks or either like four or six sacks in this game, um, quite a few tackles for loss. And um, yeah, that AM defensive front pretty much just had a. Had a had a field day with that offensive line. Um, in regards to Spencer Rattler, I thought he certainly um, there were certainly a few plays that displayed his true athleticism. And I remember he like you know threw a ball like thirty yards downfield off his back foot with just like the flick of a wrist and things like that. And I remember thinking in my mind, I'm like, man, this guy's such a freak athlete. It's such a bummer that his O line just can't really hold for him. Uh, but at the same time, freak athleticism doesn't always give you doesn't or doesn't always guarantee um, the highest football IQ. And I remember uh, Colton, you and I were talking about this just a moment ago. Spencer Rattler was responsible for three grounding penalties in the first half alone. So that is certainly a first for me to see in a game, especially that many. Um, so yeah, he, um, you know, he's a freaking nature kind of athlete, but you know, he's kind of got to figure it out up, up in between the years a little bit for him to truly reach his potential all in all. Um, you know, Beamer ball has not been really, not really been working at all this season. And that was certainly the case here this past Saturday, all in all great win for the Ags and South Carolina has got a lot of work to do going forward. Let's look at a big 12 matchup. Not too much here. Really. Kansas state destroys U of H 41 to nothing. Case it has his two quarterback system going right now between Will Howard and the freshman Avery Johnson. They decided to go more with Will Howard in this one. And he played a great game. And, yeah, I mean, the Wildcats are playing some awesome football right now. They're probably one of the better teams in the country for the last few weeks, and I'm pretty concerned as a Longhorn fan as they come to Austin this weekend in a potential game that will decide who's going to go to the Big 12 Championship. So the Wildcats are playing some really good football right now. 
All right, let's bounce back to the SEC a little bit. Um, next game I'll be covering is the world's, lar- world's largest cocktail party. Uh, Georgia taking on Florida down in Jacksonville. Uh, Georgia got the win, 43-20. Um, so I believe in this game, Florida got out, got off to uh, they they put the uh, first points of the board um, of the they put the first points of the game on the board if that makes sense i i'm sorry it, it's really late my brain's just shutting down anyways um florida had had an early lead and that certainly was not enough to hold as we all know uh georgia they looked really good even without the the notable absence of brock bowers um you know carson beck he looked really comfortable back there um he seemed to be in, in rhythm he seemed to be in motion um and for the most part this was a pretty one-sided affair it was pretty much lopsided um in my opinion um however florida did make a few nice plays of their own but you know at the end of the day uh, georgia as you and i ex- expected and called and predicted in the last episode was just way too much for the gators to handle especially this year for florida um so yeah georgia gets a pretty resounding 43 to 20 win over their rival florida let's jump back to the big 12 texas dominates byu 35 to 6 this was a game that was 21 to three and then 21 to six for quite a while, but never really felt like Texas was in danger. Large part of that was because of this Longhorn defense led by Tavondre Sweat and Jade Barron forced three turnovers and had 12 tackles for loss. We've 10 QB pressures and a couple sacks. So this game was never really in doubt for the Longhorns. Offensively, you had an, another good game from Jonathan Brooks, who was inching towards a thousand yards. And I wonder if the Longhorns continue to win, if he will get some consideration for the Heisman Trophy. I definitely think he is a candidate for the Doak Walker Award. Right now, as far as the offense goes, Longhorns are still struggling in the red zone. They got zero points on three attempts that they – they had three times when they got to the red zone and they did not get any points out of it, whether it's two goal line stands and a fumble. As far as Malik Murphy goes, his first start did not expect too much. Threw for two touchdowns. And had an interception. I'm honestly a bit harder on him than most. I didn't think he really played well at all. I thought he was pretty late on a lot of throws, including his first touchdown pass. I thought he got pretty lucky there that A.D. Mitchell was able to bail him out. I thought he made some pretty bad decisions and would have thrown more picks if UT would have played a better team. But nonetheless, he did show some ability to operate this intermediate RPO game. And maybe if the Longhorns can find a way to keep him out of trouble... And he, can, and he can fling the ball out to Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, and Jatavian Sanders. And with some good running game, maybe the Longhorns can win out potentially, or at least beat Kansas State. So we'll see there. 35-6 to win for Texas, but I need to see a lot more from this offense if I'm going to feel better about this Kansas State game. Let's look at another 35-6 to game. Oregon destroys Utah in rice cycles. We both picked Oregon. We know as well as Utah has played and divine efforts from Bryson Barnes and Nate Johnson throughout this year and obviously this Utah defense, but without having camerizing, it's just so tough in these big games. And this game, honestly, was never really that close. It kind of felt like it was over from the first or second possession of the game. Bo Nix, like we mentioned, is a really good quarterback now. It took him some time to develop, but he's definitely one of the better ones in the country. And yeah, Oregon has looked awesome. The only loss is that three-point loss to Washington on the road. And so for Oregon, they have a clear path to win out and get back and hopefully face Washington again for a great rematch. Yeah, so I don't really have much to say about this game other than kind of piggybacking off what you just mentioned. Uh, Bo Nix was 
was awesome in this game. He played a really clean, really good game. Um, as for Utah, you know, Bryson Barnes, he has done the absolute – he's done as much as he possibly can uh, up to this point in the season to keep Utah um, fighting in the Pac-12. However, you know, he can only do so much, and that clearly was on display against a very good and very powerful Oregon team. Um, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's interesting because, you know, you thought – this game might be a little bit closer considering Utah is cl- uh, coming off that close win against USC in the Coliseum the week before in pretty exciting fashion. And especially with this game being back home for the Utes, you thought it would be a little bit closer than 35-6. At least that's what I thought. Um, but all in all, Oregon looked really good. And Utah, as we've been saying all year, is really missing Cam Rising. Another powerful game I, I want to hit real quick. Arizona upsets Oregon State 27-24. Ever since Jaden Delora either went down or they benched him, I'm not entirely sure what happened. But Noah Fafita, the young guy, is playing some really good football. And Arizona's kept it close for a while with a lot of these teams, particularly USC and Washington. Those games were both really close. And honestly, it felt like a matter of time. So shout out to my cousin Aaron. I know he got to storm the field. And Oregon State, number 11 team, 6-1. and one, They now fall to 6-2. and two. And yeah, this Pac-12 race could get pretty interesting towards the end of the year, I think. I think the Pac-12 is full of a lot of pretty good teams. So it'll be fun to see how that one plays out. And one of Will's locks of the week, which hit and did not hit for me, was Louisville destroys Duke 23 to nothing in Papa John Stadium. Louisville stays right there with a chance to make the ACC championship game. Duke, Riley Leonard did play, but he just is clearly not healthy. It's it's kind of a shame. It seems like the end of that Notre Dame game kind of tanked Duke's season a little bit. And yeah, Louisville got a great game on the ground from Jawar Jordan, and Jeff Brom has the Cardinals at 7-1 and one in his first year. Also want to mention real quick, Virginia Tech, kind of under the radar team, but they are also tied for second in the, in the ACC, and they are going to play Louisville this upcoming weekend for what is a pretty high-stakes game there to see who goes to Charlotte. Shout-out to new Virginia Tech starter Kyron Drones, who went to Shadow Creek just outside of Houston and Pearland. And, man, Will, your Heisman pick. Actually played a very good game. Drake May played it really well. Nothing to really complain about this Carolina offense. We know Tez Walker, Drake May, O'Marion Hampton are, are really good players. But Gene Chizik in this Tar Heels defense is really struggling. And shout-out to Haynes King. He's was, playing some yeah. awesome football. I was about Jordan to say Beck, Four and four, not bad at all for your coach's first full season. So, yeah, props to the props to the Yellow Jackets pulling the upset in a great game. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off there almost for a moment there. I apologize. Um, as an Aggie, I am truly thrilled to see Haynes King finally thrive and be the collegiate athlete we all knew he could be here at AM. Um, I feel like this, him having this much success, well, I wouldn't say this much success, but him having, um, this type of success in his first year away from AM, I feel like that just speaks volumes to the type of system that Jimbo runs here at AM. Um, so that is certainly concerning as an Aggie. However, uh, Haynes King is officially a graduate from AM. He's a former student. And um, to see one of your former students like that truly just ball out and f- truly live up to the potential we all knew that he had coming in out of high school, um, you know, you, you truly love to see it. Um, as for my Heisman pick, though, Drake May, um, I, I apologize. I, I jumped the gun way too early this season. I, 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 I guess my explanation for that was I was so excited college football is around the corner, and 
you know, I, I didn't really know anything going into the season or I didn't think it would play out um, certainly the way it did. Um, so, yeah, I, I, uh, I regret ch- uh, choosing him as my preseason Heisman pick each and every week. I mean, this loss wasn't on him. No, on- I know. But, yeah. No, he he uh, he won't even be in New York for the ceremony. But you know, I I guess I just got a little, little overexcited for the season around the corner. I want to have this discussion, maybe later or in another episode. But this Heisman race is really interesting because I was thinking about, I mentioned Jonathan Brooks maybe getting some Heisman pub if Texas continues to win. But beside aside from Penix, I mean, who who's going to be there? Caleb, I guess because he's so good. But Caleb, they lose, that would make they a lot four or five games though. Yeah, no, they certainly can. Um, but, you know, the, I mean, the Heisman goes to the best overall player in college football, or so they claim it's mainly just a quarterback and skill position uh, award. Um, I uh, I really think J.J. McCarthy might be there. If Michigan continues to have a good season, even though, well, the whole sign-stealing scandal, which new information is coming out about, by the way, each and every day we'll have to cover. We'll, we'll have a lot of stuff to cover once that um, is officially finished. Uh, but anyways, regardless of that, J.J. McCarthy has been playing exceptionally well, I would say. Um, certainly enough to at least have his name in the hat um, uh, for the Heisman race. Um you have Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, as I said, J.J. McCarthy. Um, I'm sure someone like Marvin Harrison Jr., um, his name will certainly be up there, even though even though he um, – I, I guess he's not having the most like electric season ever seen. He's certainly having a great season, no question. Um, but, you know, he's one of the most popular players in college football, and it I'm sure there would be a lot of unhappy college football fans if his name wasn't – you know, at least brought up in that conversation constantly. Do um, you got new? Are you thinking of anyone else? Or, I mean, it's tough. I like the Marvin Harrison one. Oklahoma State running back, by the way, Ollie Gordon is already over a thousand yards and averaging over seven yards a carry, so he's a stud. In Oklahoma State, we'll talk about it later on the next episode, but they're on a five-way tie for first place in the Big Twelve. So, if they're able to have a Strong close to the year, maybe make it to Arlington. Maybe he gets some shine, but they also lost to South Alabama. So yeah, that's a hard thing to sell. But it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Get into some group of five action. Tulane takes on Rice, 30-28 to 28 there. Really impressed with Rice, actually. They're able to keep it this close. But they were at home, and Tulane gets the win, and they continue to have a shot at that G5 New Year's Six spot. UNLV loses to Fresno State 31-24. This game was really heartbreaking for UNLV. I don't know if you saw the ending, but... I did not catch the ending of it. I'm sorry. UNLV was at... They were inside the 10 with a few seconds left. Oh, I did see this. And um, perfect play design. And, yeah. Yeah. God, That guy, he just dropped the touchdown. And then UNLV was not able to punch it in. But that was a great Mountain West matchup in... Then you have Tennessee beating Kentucky and Kroger Field 33 to 27. I kind of finally got the game that I was looking for from Devin Leary. Unfortunately, the running game with Ray Davis was not working as well as I would have hoped. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee, they kind of keep just finding a way to win in spite of maybe some potential limitations that they have, but they seem to make it pretty easy for Joe Milton, as they ran for over 250 yards, and Milton was able to play a pretty clean game, including 18 of 21 passes, 
for 228 and a touchdown. So Tennessee, not going to win the East, but it can still have a pretty respectable close of the season. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, this definitely felt like a certainly a much better showing for Tennessee on offense, no question. Um, you know, that was kind of the thing for them is um, their offense has always, you know, been absolute stellar at home for the most part going back to last year, and they kind of forget to show up on, on the road every now and then. But that clearly was not the case on Saturday. As you said, Joe Milton threw for 228 yards, one touchdown. Um, and he had a QBR of 85.6, so that's certainly um, certainly one of his better ones this season. Um, yeah, and even though when uh, Joe Milton, when he's been kind of having an up-and-down season and whatnot, uh, that Tennessee running game has been pretty much their bread and butter uh, the entire time this season on offense. And as you said, they ran for over 250 yards, and you know they averaged 5.4 yards per carry in this game. So that's uh, certainly going back to what they know best. Um, I'm right there with you as well, though. This was certainly the game that you and I were kind of expecting to see from Devin Leary. So it was nice to see that. However, it is, it's pretty unfortunate when you drop a pretty close game like this, especially at home. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a, I guess it's a bit of a, a confusing season for Kentucky who started out pretty hot, pretty strong, whatnot. Um, and then to see it kind of just go up and down, um, these past few weeks as for Tennessee, you know, as I was saying, uh, Pretty encouraging stuff that you saw on Saturday from your offense, and it'll be really interesting to see if they are able to build on that momentum down the stretch of the season. Let's go to the Big Ten. Ohio State goes to Madison and takes out Wisconsin 24-10. This was another one of those games, kind of like the Texas game, where it was pretty much a one-score game the whole time, but it never really felt like Wisconsin was was really going to make it a game because – their offense just really, really struggled. They're not starting Tanner Mordecai, who's been dinged up. So they start Braden Locke, who did not play very well. But look, Ohio State's defense, I think, is legit, legit. I mean, Jim Knowles is a wizard, a defensive coordinator. And, I mean, they just dominated defensively. There was there was really nothing that Wisconsin could do. In spite of Ohio State's offense, who have some major questions about not really helping them out much, Kyle McCord – He's a young guy. He can still develop, obviously, his first year starting. But I don't think he's been good enough for them to win a national championship unless he really steps it up. And Trayvon, Trayvon Henderson still a stud. Marvin Harrison Jr. is just unbelievable. I mean, they basically just spam him. They just throw it up and see what he can do. And he comes down with it most of the time. So, yeah, good, good win for the Buckeyes. I kind of feel like they're going to cruise until Michigan, and then we'll see what happens. I don't know if Michigan has their signs, which, by the way, I believe this is Michigan's last year, or this is Jim Harbaugh's last year at Michigan. But, yeah, I don't know. For Ohio State, great defense, not so good offense, but they get the win. Last game we're going to touch on Washington, beat Stanford 42-33. to This game was really close, and Washington has been playing with fire the last couple weeks, and I wonder if it's going to bite them in the butt. Their defense, after a great showing against Arizona State, really struggled, and Stanford had a chance to win this game late. I don't know if you saw it, but yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so Stanford, well, not really driving, but they were on a drive to try and take the lead and win the game. They have a fourth down and I believe two in their own territory, and they they run this halfback pitch where he was going to throw it, and the guy was wide open, hit his hands, and he just dropped it, which was pretty heartbreaking. But good to see Michael Penix playing really well again. It seems like he's been a bit dinged up, but he. Kind of went back to his normal form, and he was fantastic. So, yeah, Washington still undefeated, wins or wins, but you kind of wonder if they're going to drop a game if they've been 
living on the edge a bit. We'll see if if they get tripped up before the Pac-12 championship if they're able to make it there. Also, one quick game too, USC and Cal, 50-49. to 49. This USC defense is so unserious. Uh, Jaden Ott was fantastic. USC made the play at the end to stop them on a two-point conversion, but, I mean, this is just – this is terrible, terrible defense. Kind of a random nugget. Did you see that the start of that game was delayed for, like, 30 minutes because there was a protest going on at midfield? Yes, and another funny thing that happened, so USC was driving at the end of the first half – Caleb Williams extends the play, throws a pass to his tight end to get in the field goal range. The time runs out. They then determine at halftime that USC had one second left. So the start oh. of the third quarter <laughs> yeah, I remember this. entailed of USC in this of USC having to kick a field goal to finish out the second quarter. So this USC kicker, you know how at halftime they all go and they warm up early? Yeah. The USC kicker is trying and practicing this exact same kick for like 10 minutes, comes out, Cal ices him, he misses the kick. So really funny there. Um, another quick thing, I think people have been doubting Caleb Williams a bit because of his last two losses, but he's still just an absolute stud. He makes unbelievable throws and plays just about every week. So I'm not an NFL scout, but he's still a great player if there's any question about that. But yeah, I think that'll wrap up what we've got for Week nine, Will, your locks of the week are doing a bit better than mine, so do you want to hit on them? Sure. Um, so this past week for my locks, uh, I had one cash and one miss, and the one miss that I had was a complete misfire on my part. Um, so I'll start with, uh, you know, I'll start with the bad news and end with the good news. Um, so my miss of this week, I had Houston plus 17.5 versus Kansas State. Um, there's not really much else to say that aside from the fact that U of H lost 41 zip. So pretty brutal on that front. Um, however, my other lock did hit. It was Duke versus Louisville, and I had Louisville minus six. So, um, yeah, both of my locks this week actually had a shutout, which was crazy. Um, but, yeah, that one certainly hit. And um, I believe up through the last three weeks, I have four hits out of six attempts, I believe. Because I think two weeks ago, I went 2-0. and Last week, I went 1-1. and And this week, I went 1-1. and um, So, yeah, that'd be four out of six. That's not bad. No, you've definitely been coping with the locks of the week. For me, it has not gone as well. I'm happy that my first log missed, though. I had BYU plus 20 at Texas. I thought the spread was a little too high. With Texas having a backup quarterback and being pretty dinged up, not playing well against Houston the week before, I honestly did not know that BYU was that bad. But credit to Texas for dominating a bad team. So Texas covers there. And my other miss was UCLA, minus 15 against Colorado. This one was close. It was 12. Um, Look, I mean, UCLA turned the ball over pretty frequently here. Also, their uniforms were really, really ugly. Travis Hunter, still a stud, had two insane interceptions. But, yeah, like we've been saying, this Colorado team has pretty much no offensive line. They can't run the ball. And Shadur Sanders was sacked, I believe, seven times. He was pressured and hit 20-something times, knocked down a bunch. And their jewelry got stolen during the game. To, yeah, I was about to add a side note to that. That's crazy. So that does really suck. And Shadur Sanders is a stud. I – I I credit him for not quitting because 
I probably would if I'd been knocked down 20 times, but yeah, that did not hit because UCLA's offense and Travis Hunter, but yeah, Colorado really can't score. So maybe don't take my logs of the week anymore. I've been on a bit of a cold streak, but I've said this for the last three weeks or so, but I really think this is the week when, when we turn it around. Locks wise. Yeah. Yeah. Locks wise <laughs> and everything, everything. This is a good week for us, I think, but yeah, I think that'll just about wrap it up for our football talk. We're going to try and always improve our locks of the week. We don't want y'all losing money. Another quick, funny thing I saw uh, real quick. I saw that someone got a text from one of their friends saying that Tulsa plus 10 first half was a lock. They said, thank me later. And the next thing you know, SMU and Preston Center are up 52 to three at half for Tulsa. Yeah. So maybe don't listen to whoever that guy is either, but I think that's about all we got for football. Should we hop into our favorite or best Halloween candies? For sure. Um, so we have not done a draft here in probably about three, three and a half weeks. Uh, so I guess real quick, uh, a brief rundown of how this works. Uh, we, Colson and I run a snake draft. Um, and for this particular draft, we are doing four rounds. Um, and with all that being said, even though I just spoke for about 10 seconds, um, Colton, would you like to lead us off in our first ever Halloween candy draft? Yeah. So admittedly, I'm not the biggest candy or sweets guy, but there's really no question here that the best Halloween candy is just M&Ms. M&Ms. Interesting. Do you have a favorite colored M&M? I like blue. You like blue? I think blue gets it done. But okay. M&M's, you can include peanut M&M's as well. I mean, it's a fan favorite. Everyone likes them. Yeah, no. M&M's, that's solid. I mean, they've, they've been around for forever. I mean, you can't ever go wrong with them. Um, okay, so for my first Halloween candy draft pick, I am going to kind of go to an old school kind of candy like that a little bit. Well, not old school, but they've been around the block quite a few times. Um, I'm going to take like just a regular like Hershey's chocolate bar. Um, I mean, Hershey's has been around for forever. Just like, as I was saying about M&Ms, they're iconic. Um, you either love them or you hate them, but I feel like the general consensus is that people love them. And if they didn't love them, they certainly wouldn't be one of the largest candy, candy manufacturers in the entire world. Uh, but I feel pretty solid about this pick. I like it. And you know, they come in several different sizes. Um, you can either get the full candy bar, you can get little like bite-sized pieces of them. So pretty versatile from Hershey's as well. Does that include Hershey's Kisses? I'm just including that, right? I mean, that's a that's a good question. Um, you know what? I said Hershey's Bar specifically, so I guess not. If I would have just said Hershey's, then that probably would have been more broad. But I specified the bar, so uh, I believe Hershey Kisses will still be on the board going forward. Fair enough. Um, okay, as for my second pick, this is pretty tough. However, I I'm I'm making this pick based off of their annual Halloween ad campaign that they run. And that'll be the Reese's peanut butter cup. Um, it's one of my favorites. Um, always has been. It's, I've, I've loved them ever since I was a kid. And as I was just saying, it's a second ago, it, it, it wouldn't be Halloween or the fall. If you didn't, if you weren't like watching a college football game and saw um, a Reese's peanut butter cup commercial, I feel like, you know, um, it's 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 pretty much just goes hand in hand with the fall now. And uh, shout out to Will Arnett or not Will Arnett? Actually, I think it is uh, Will Arnett who voices those commercials. Uh, shout out to him because he's been doing it for years and he you know turns in an A plus performance in those every single year. That's a great pick. 
I wanted that one. When I was when I was younger, I used to get those. Them at grocery stores, it's mm-hmm. it's the unwrapped mini versions and I Oh, they're they're so cut. good. I would destroy those. Like in middle school, mm-hmm. like, you know, middle school, like we'd play sports for hours, and be so hungry, and I would just tear those up. They're so good. So I actually never found like the mini unwrapped ones, like you were talking about, like in that orange like resealable bag. Yeah. Um, I didn't find those, so I was like a freshman in high school. I found them on a road trip. I was going, I believe, um, like on Christmas vacation. And we were driving from Houston to the Florida Panhandle. And um, like just somewhere along the way, I stopped off to like go to the bathroom at a gas station. And I walked back with a bag of those. And I, I believe the whole bag was gone within 30 minutes. Those are, they're so good. And they're deadly because they're so easy to eat. Mm-hmm. For my next pick, I'm going to go with a Kit Kat. They're easy to eat. You got to love the sound that you make when you kind of crack them. You, know, you can share them, and I think it's pretty simple. I mean, when I was younger, that was always one of my one of my favorite candies, and it's a Halloween classic. For my next pick, it might not be my favorite tasting one, but in honor of the pirate and in honor of Halloween and Will's Twitter header, you've got to go with candy corn. I mean, it's the only time anyone's ever going to eat it, and Good if you're point. much sweet, you know, you probably never ate it. But, yeah, I mean, candy corn is a uh, – it has all the Halloween colors in it, and it's just a classic, classic Halloween candy. And I honestly, I've I've never hated candy corn. It I've always kind of liked it. Yeah, it never was my first choice, but I didn't really see anything wrong with it. So when I was a kid, I absolutely loved it. I mean, I, I feel like I could eat like an entire bag of it when I was about six years old. And then um, through between there, um, through about probably middle school, early high school, I just didn't like it at all for whatever reason. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the flavor kind of, you know, whenever you like have a few pieces of it kind of leaves your mouth feeling a little bit waxy or just something like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, it was just something like that. I didn't like it. And then, you know, once again, probably like sophomore year of high school, like a flip just switched in my brain and I started eating the crap out of it again in Halloween. And I have, um, yet to stop liking it since then. So candy corn's a very solid pick. I respect that. Um, okay, for my next pick, I, uh, I'm just going to straight up go to the Nestle Crunch Bar. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Um, I absolutely love a Crunch Bar. Um, similar to like the Hershey's Bar as well. They, they come in both big and small sizes. Um, and they also come in little bunch of crunch, uh, in like a little box kind of similar to how the, uh, like the mini Hershey Kisses are, or no, excuse me, the, uh, mini Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are. Um, so yeah, I've always been a huge fan of them and yeah, I, I, it's just one of, one of the best candy bars ever made. Um, finally to wrap up here, this is tough cause you and I have taken pretty much every, every single round has been chocolate except for candy corn. So do I go for one final chocolate pick or do I go for, you know, something off the wall here? What do you think Colson? There's one that I want really bad. Okay. I think okay. Um, you know, I'm gonna change it up a little bit. For my final one, I'm gonna take nerds. Uh, you know, um, you can. They come in both a nerd's rope. Uh, they come in little bite-sized nerd clusters now, or you have just a straight-up traditional box of them. Um, either way, they come in a ton of flavors and a lot of different colors, and they're one of my favorites. Uh, I don't have any, pretty much anything else to say about that, Colton. What will be your last pick of the draft? That's a great pick. I kind of forgot about nerds, but. Yeah, they're definitely definitely a pretty classic candy. I'm going to go with Sour Patch Kids. Ooh, 
big this can't really go wrong. You got all the different flavors. You can do watermelons as well. I'm sure there's other types too, but yeah, Sour Patch Kids were always, always one of my favorites. And I like the classic red. You're you're a red guy. Yeah. So I remember. I, I didn't love yellow. It was a little too. Yeah. So I remember like f- probably like six years ago, they came out with that like blue kind of like, like a blue raspberry flavored one. Um, and that one's really solid as well. Anything blue raspberry is so good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, congrats on getting second place again in the draft. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, to the people who, who made it this far in our episode, Colton and I will post um, either a Twitter poll or an Instagram poll on our story and, um, you know, we will, we will ask y'all the audience who won this draft. Cause personally, I, I think I did and blew Colton completely out of the water. And, you know, he thinks, he thinks exact opposite. So I think it's best if we just leave this up to y'all. Um, are you happy with your draft class, Colton? I've never been happier. Really? Cause you were really pumped about that bird draft we did about a month ago. Oh yeah. The blue footed booby and Zazu. Those were two of the better <laughs> How do you still remember your your specific selections? Those were some big time picks. Also, I think my plan draft was electric. That was a pretty good draft. I'm not gonna lie to you. You had me in what draft did you really get me in? I'll admit on air. You got me in. Yeah, there was I remember there was one where I walked away and I felt Oh, it was the top it was top of the world. The cuisine one. I think so. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I took uh, I took like Mexican food, like German, Polish food. Yeah, yeah. That was, that I was a good the one. Fall one though. The fall one, I think, was mine. Oh, the seasons. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. It sounds like five to one or whatever, Colton, right now. But wow. Okay. Okay. We'll see what the audience decides. But yeah, I think that just about wraps up our show. We good chance we could have a pretty awesome guest on next episode and we'll preview a pretty high stakes week 10 coming up. So if you have anything left to add, Will? No. Um, just wanted to say thank you all for listening. If you made it this far, as always, you know where to reach us. If you have any questions, comment, concerns, etc., cetera, uh, you know where to find us. But with that being said, thank you very much for listening. And um, yeah, we are very excited to speak to y'all again in the next episode. Thank y'all.